Welcome to the Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries Podcast, brought to you by Interactive Legal. Here's your host, Mary Vandenack. Welcome to today's episode of Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries, a weekly podcast discussing updated legal news as well as evolving methods of providing legal service. I'm Mary Vandenack, founder and CEO at Vandenack Weaver Trulson. I will be your host as we talk to experts from around the country about legal and tax issues, trust and estates, business succession and exit planning, legal technology, law practice management and leadership, and well-being. First, I want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal, Foster Group, Veterans of Victory Housing and Small Business Centers, and Carson Private Client. Here's a message from Interactive Legal. Technology has become an essential part of our daily lives. However, not all fields have embraced technology. Lawyers, especially estate planning attorneys, need to stay up to date with specific laws and any issues affecting taxes and wealth preservation. Implementing an automated drafting system can help lawyers spend more time with their clients and less time doing back office tasks. Estate planners and law professionals turn to Interactive Legal as their main resource for the latest planning strategies. Interactive Legal provides the most comprehensive productivity system on the market with an easy-to-use document drafting system, extensive continuing education, thought-provoking discussion forums, and more. With Interactive Legal, attorneys get to spend more time with their clients. It's time to connect, collaborate, and create. To learn more about Interactive Legal, visit interactivelegal.com. Wealth planning focuses on liquidity management and charges you a fee based on a percentage of your assets. But entrepreneurs typically invest in their business, resulting in light liquidity. That requires a unique strategy. At Carson Private Client, we provide a proactive and holistic strategy for building and protecting your wealth. Our mission is to alleviate the stresses and the burdens of coordinating all of those financial strategies. Carson Private Client will work with your current team of advisors to customize a strategy that manages all aspects of your life and wealth, giving you back the time to focus on what matters most. Complex needs require sophisticated solutions. Reach out to our office at 402-779-8989 to schedule your consultation. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. On today's episode, my guest is Lisa Woodford. Lisa provides coaching services, and you can find details about the type of services she provides at lisawoodford.com. Lisa participated on a previous episode where we talked about the humanness of anxiety, which was a fun topic. We decided to follow up and talk today about the strategies to reduce self-sabotage. Thanks for joining me again today, Lisa. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. So let's just start our conversation by talking about what do you mean by self-sabotage? Oh, self-sabotage. The thing we do as humans to... We beat ourselves up. We are actually pushing ourselves to be better, but we're really mean about the way that we go about that sometimes. We tell ourselves we're not good enough, we're not worthy enough, uh, I'm you know, not interesting, I'm terrible with money, just all those things that come up for us every single day, and we don't realize that we're doing it. 90% of the time, we're just 
coasting through life and reacting to it, but we're not um, really thinking about how we're treating ourselves in those moments. And I can think of a lot of different ways that people do that, but I know one that's common to a lot of people care about trying to manage weight, for example. Right. And so you had a great day, you had a protein shake for breakfast, you had an apple and some protein for lunch, and then you come home and you let yourself get too hungry, and so you start eating the cupboard, and then you're like, what an idiot. How did you think you could lose weight? Like, really seriously, see what a loser you are? You're never going to lose weight. That's kind of what we're talking about in terms of self-sabotage, right? Yes, that little voice in your head that's constantly tearing you down, telling you what you sh- what you could be doing better, what you should have done, what you should have said. So that mind movie that you make up, a lot of times I'll be standing in the shower and replaying a conversation I had earlier, and I'm like, oh, if I just would have said that, or if I could go back and redo that, I would have it perfectly, you know, those kinds of things. We just beat ourselves up for past experiences, and we relive them in our mind. We waste so much time and energy in that space with those mind movies going on, and we end up just feeling worse. And so let's say another example, because the weight loss was a personal one, but another place where I think you see a lot of self-sabotage is at work. So somebody's in a meeting, and they're giving a presentation, and then, you know, and as a lawyer by day, lawyers are, you know, we just ask direct questions, we just kind of get in there and there's different styles of communication, which I've done a couple episodes on. And so if you're not used to say my style of communication, which is ask me what you think and I will tell you, and I'm not going to like give you a whole bunch of fluff around it. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're at a meeting, you're giving a presentation and you have a non-fluffy person like me at the table who just asked you a very direct question. And I'm just trying to ask for information, but a lot of times the recipient of that might be take that as a criticism rather than just a you know request for clarification or something. Mm-hmm. And so then they leave us like, oh, I'm a complete failure. Oh, my gosh, I should have answered that question without having thought about it. I like, oh, my gosh, I'm in serious trouble yeah. type of thing. Is that another example of where you see self-sabotage or do you have another way to potentially describe that? Oh, constantly. The judgment that we put ourselves under if we did the right thing, said the right thing, um, we tend to judge ourselves constantly and compare ourselves to others. So a lot of my clients come in and they just, you know, either whether it's social media or at work, they never feel good enough and they are in their head all the time about how they're showing up. They think that others are judging them constantly and really people are in their own heads about themselves. You know, how much time do you spend thinking about other people? Or are you in your head thinking about yourself? That's a really good question. I said I have to. I have to think about it. It's a little about. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about others, right? No, not other than like if I'm. I have a lot of clients, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about how to solve their problems. Sure, I have employees that work for me, and right. I do spend a fair amount of time thinking about this person doesn't seem really happy in their job. How can I facilitate that? But in terms of thinking, oh, they're an awful person because they didn't say the right thing, I tend to couch that as, oh, I see this person as not, you know, she doesn't seem really happy with what she's doing. I'm not judging her as being a terrible person so much as saying, but for myself, that's right. That's a different thing, right? When it's me and I had that conversation, I call that my 
demon voice in my head. Right. I've had other people call it like the critical parent. And I'm not sure I love the term critical parent because I don't know that that's, but I liked the concept of we have these demon voices. And I do think when our demon voices get out of control internally, that then it is easy to also, one, we're being a demon to ourself, Mm -hmm. but then it is easy also to start projecting that on other people as well. Is that a fair statement? I think so. I think a lot of people get so caught up in self-protection and wanting to say or do the right thing that they're willing to um, overpower or have power over others by building up their own sense of pride, by making themselves feel important enough when they actually do not feel. They feel more shame than they do pride. So that's the confidence scale, actually. One side is shame and blame, and the opposite end of the spectrum is pride. So whether you feel embarrassed or, you know, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, and that's what they're in their head about, or whether they feel like, oh, I'm, I'm better than this person, I'm smarter than this person, like they have nothing on me. I, I feel elevated in comparison to them. And both of those are very unhealthy ends of that spectrum. So either I'm great or I suck. Both yes. of those are actually kind of in the sense of self-sabotage instead of what is the more healthy response. I am who I am, and I communicate in this fashion, Mm -hmm. and Lisa communicates differently from me. So for that conversation to really be an appropriate, healthy conversation, I need to listen to what she's saying, seek clarification, and not spend all my time. Like somebody was telling me recently that in conversations – a lot of times what we're doing is instead of actually listening to the person, we're planning what we're going to say next. Yeah. Which we, means we we're discussed not, that. Yeah. Yes. That that's a major blind spot is that people drop out of conversations every six to eight seconds because they're processing what has been said or they're planning how to accept or reject what you just said. I'm, you know, if I'm in my head doing all of that, I'm not actually listening to the meaning of what you're saying. So we're missing the mark. Nine out of 10 conversations miss the mark because we're not actually listening to meaning and waiting, giving that three-second pause to then decide how I want to respond to this. So that concept, which also plays to, that played in our conversation on anxiety, but that's also part of communication generally Mm -hmm. and is part of the ways we self-sabotage because we don't, if we didn't hear what somebody really just said to us, then we tell ourselves a story about what it was. Yes. Or we tell ourselves, oh, I'm so, you know, I was so stupid. I should have done that differently. I should have said this or that. And we make up for it later in our thoughts when we can't do anything about it. And then we might also send 25 follow-up emails trying to oh, clarify ourselves. Justifying. Or go post something on social media about it that has nothing to do with the actual conversation, yes. but is trying to justify what I did that day and make myself feel okay. I thought it was right. interesting that you mentioned social media. And I've sort of studied what that they call those like therapeutic texts. I felt I failed somewhere today. And so what I do is I go write a story on social media about a situation that's really saying this happened and I'm just trying to make myself feel better about something happened in my day instead of, you know, calling up Sherry and say, oh, Sherry, I said the dumbest thing ever to you and I was distracted. I apologize. Can I, like, revisit what we talked about? Yeah. And in our heads, really going back and justifying anything that has already happened just makes us feel 
that much worse because now we're like, well, do they know what actually happened and are they getting what I'm trying to say? We're trying to just backpedal. And really the healthiest thing you can do is just own it. I'm human. I'm going to mess up. I'm not, I'm not always going to say the right thing and I'm not always going to react the right way. It's like I am I can only give you what I have. And that's okay because we have completely different experiences. But too much of the time we're so worried about what other people are thinking about us, how they're seeing us, and we just want to make that right. And really their thoughts and their um judgments of us, they're not our business. It's not my business to, you know, worry about what you're thinking of me because that is completely out of my control. We are going to take a brief break from our episode for a word from one of our sponsors. If you had a dollar for every financial advisor that just wanted your money, your financial future would already be secure. At Foster Group, our team is different. One whose focus is on you and your dreams. Together, we'll create a strategy that helps you get there. Wherever there is for you. Foster Group. Your financial life truly cared for. Connect with us at fostergrp.com. Foster Group's written disclosure brochure, as set forth in Part 2A of Form ADV, discusses advisory services and fees, is available at www.fostergrp.com. Okay, let's continue our episode. So let's say that I want to worry less about what people think of me. What's a step in that direction? I mean, and I'm going to just share, like, having been through this, and I think I've come a long way, and, and you know, I care to some extent about what certain people think about me. But you have to kind of have been somebody that I trust to have an opinion. But that was through some really intense stuff in my own life where a great coach said to me, Mary, surround yourself with those who actually care about you and accept you for you, who you are. And that's a really beautiful thing to do. But on a daily basis in the workplace, we don't always have that option. And even in our family situation, sometimes we go to a big family event, we don't always have that option. So Mm -hmm. step one is what? To, let me... Think again, what is your question? Well, let's go back and say, okay, so if one, a piece of it, I'm just going to back up to the concept of Mm self-sabotage. So we're worrying about what other people think of us. Right. And so that's kind of, and then we can never win, at least with certain people, right? So what do we do if we know we're walking into that family event and we know there's five people who we don't have the greatest relationships with, Mm -hmm. but instead of sabotaging ourselves by thinking, oh, I said the wrong thing is part of that looking and saying, I don't communicate the best with these and I'm not going to beat myself up about that. Or is it trying to improve communication or is it the minute I'm walking into this event where I'm uncomfortable, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm probably wearing the wrong thing. I know I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm going to like, and there you are in your head and you're starting to spin. Right. And one thing to be proactive about those situations when you know you're going to go to a family event and you don't get along with your mother-in-law or your cousin or someone's going to be there that has a very different opinion. Being proactive about that situation and deciding this is how I want to show up. This is where I'm comfortable with myself. And you might have to go back in 
you know, in time, two weeks to a point where you had a really great conversation and you were out with a friend and you felt so comfortable with that person. And you think, how did I feel there? Can I be that person, that uh, piece of myself, or that bring that part of myself to the table in this situation? And when you can actually use some transference and actually, you know, put yourself back in that place to be like, I do, I do feel really good about myself. I have important things to say. I think I'm funny, even if no one else does, you know, I'm going to have my own back just like I do with Shelly or Chris, you know, that friend that accepts you for who you are. Okay. So that I think is really important is having your own back. Yes. And you can learn that. What I think I'm hearing from you is sometimes you can learn that by say, Hey, I know Sherry always has my back. And wait, what does that look like if I had my own back in this Mm -hmm. situation? How would I show up then? And so in some of the, there's some of the trauma work, you actually design your own team. And that's like, I'm going to bring my team with me to this event or something Mm -hmm. like that. Is that something you might do? Or is it really that you have to kind of figure out a difference in the way you function? Yeah, I think it's, it's really about having your own back, not having a team, not depending on anyone else because you don't have that luxury in any moment of the day. So really knowing who you are is what most of my clients come to me to find out. My number one question is, who are you? And so many of them sit there and look at me like, I have no idea. Like, uh, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a teacher, whatever. But they can't go any further than that. There is no depth to who they feel they are. But So how can you have your back when you really don't know who you are? Okay, so I would say that, like, focus on developing a high sense of self-awareness. Personal awareness. And some people are afraid to develop that sense of self-awareness because when you really are self-aware, you actually discover that demon voice Mm -hmm. and all the critical things that you say to yourself. But you can't really address the demon voice till you look in the mirror and realize that it's your own internal voice that is saying these horrid things to you as opposed to what other people are actually thinking about you. Right, because you have so many beliefs already built up that are coming up for you. And that's why you're self-sabotaging. That's why you're saying those cruel things to yourself. You've had experiences in the past where you have failed a test or you have embarrassed yourself or someone has judged you and it really hurt. And now I'm afraid to show up and have my own back again, because if that happened in the past, that could happen again. So a lot of this revolves around knowing how to process your own emotions, knowing how to feel your own emotions. When you can determine how it is that you feel in your body and you know how to process through that and not just push it away or avoid it. You know, that embarrassing moment you had back in middle school still haunts you today if you've not processed it. It's in your DNA. So there might be more work than just saying, hey, hear a demon voice and I need to get the demon (laughs) voice to be kind. Right. Okay, but without that said, I think you identified a tool that it was kind of interesting because you use an acronym. Yes. So I kind of want to talk about like, okay, so there's this whole process of figuring out some self-awareness and dealing with that issue and realizing that you're still carrying forward that thing in middle, middle school. But some of our listeners might say, ah, we don't really want to deal with all that. Right. We said, mm, okay, let's say I, I can identify that I, upon occasion, say really negative things to myself. And you have these acronyms called, let's take ants to pets, which I yes. found that really amusing. <laughs> but I would love to have you describe that. Yes. Okay. So, you know, 
our self, we tend to self-sabotage ourselves because our brain is doing its job. It's trying to keep us safe. It's trying to push us further or, or avoid having that embarrassing thing really trigger us again. So in order to do that, it will find anything that it thinks is a th- threat. Even if it's a perceived threat, our brain catches it. It's like, watch out. Here you go again. Don't be stupid. Don't say that thing. You know, they're smarter than you. And you'll, that's when you get in your head. So the number one thing is to be aware that it's even happening. Listen to your self-talk. What is your self-talk like every day? Is the where the A and the ants? No, it's okay. not. It, my last time we did the okay. ABCs of something. Yeah, no, I'm, not, I'm just checking. No. Make sure I'm on track. Right. Ants are automatic negative thoughts. Okay. So the awareness is we want to develop some awareness of that, the augmented the automatic negative thoughts that we are having automatic negative thoughts all day long. If you, if you haven't really thought about your self talk yet, this is your first conscious thinking about what you do on a daily basis. You will realize probably 10 times an hour you're, you're saying something to yourself and 90% of that probably is not very nice. Our brains are cruel. It's just our, you know, our nature's way of protecting ourselves so it will say, oh, my God, you suck at driving. You're terrible. Or you, should, you could have said that so much better. You're not smart enough, whatever. But all of those thoughts, if you catch yourself and you're like, wait a minute, there, I was just doing it. That's what she's talking about. If you can catch yourself saying, I'm a terrible driver, then you can say, well, hold on a minute. Let's back up for a second and just realize I'm not always a terrible driver. Most of the time I do just fine. But yes, I pulled past that white line or I didn't make a full stop at that stop sign. Okay. Give yourself a, a little bit of self-forgiveness will go a long way when you catch yourself doing this. But the automatic negative thoughts will come up really often. It's a, it's a very common occurrence unless you're willing and aware that you need to be in control. You need to police your thoughts. And as I understand it, there's these automatic neg- negative thoughts, and then there's a reaction to them. But that there's actually, what I was reading that was this article on neuroscience that said you actually right. have 6.6 seconds between the automatic negative thought and then actually reacting to it. Mm-hmm. So my personal goal is, is to try and catch that 6.6 seconds more often, finding it hugely challenging because there's, I think you, your comment before is awareness. Yes. If you're not aware of that thought, because they're pretty subtle, I'd say my demon voice can be pretty sneaky. You're so used to it that it kind of is just normal for you now. So developing the awareness, any particular strategies to help with that? Oh, gosh. Um, I think just you know, sitting down and thinking, what is my self-talk like? If it, is it typically negative? Or, you know, do I build myself up all day? Am I in the pro- in the practice of building myself up and saying, oh, it's okay, you'll do better next time. And then you can let things just kind of sweep under the rug or roll off your back. That's great because you've conditioned yourself not to beat yourself up. But if you are the type of person who is constantly just cutting yourself down, this is where you need to really maybe take a few minutes and say, how do I talk to myself and I need to change that. I need to be, we all need to be kinder to ourselves. We, we are with ourselves 
you know, if a friend came through and said, oh my gosh, you are a terrible driver or you're so mean, you could have said that better. I would be like, hey, who are you to tell me, you know, how to drive or that I'm not good enough? You know, there's, you wouldn't take that from certain people and, or you have so much of that coming in from your external sources, the people that are surrounding you are not the best ones that you could surround yourself with, as you were saying before. And you're hearing that you're conditioned to believe all of those things. So your beliefs about yourself that you've already come up with from the past experiences, whether you're a terrible driver, you're not a good friend, you're worthless, and no one will ever love you. You know, wherever those are coming from, we have to think about how do we talk to ourselves and what we want to allow, what we want it to be from now on. And how would you feel if you were the one encouraging yourself and you really truly had your own back? There's so much freedom in that. There is so much confidence, like I'm okay with myself, even though I screw up every day. I know I'm going to make mistakes and that's okay. There's so much freedom in it when you can find a way to think positively, catch those thoughts, and tweak them just a little bit, and that's when we turn them into pets. And I'll say, okay, so describe what PET stands for again. Pets are positive, encouraging thoughts. So what we want to do is when we notice a thought that comes in, like, um, I'm, a, I'm a born troublemaker. I'm a, I just always am getting myself in trouble. Then you take that thought, and you're like, no, wait a minute. I'm actually not. I don't get in trouble in the grocery store. I don't get in trouble when I go to church. I don't get in trouble just sitting at home, you know, I'm not thinking of evil things to do all the time. I haven't been in trouble forever. Just taking that thought and realizing it's not true. Okay. And I can find lots of evidence that it's not true, but why do I think that? What does it believe? Where does that come from? So I just need to catch that thought. I need to check it and then change it just a little bit and say, you know what? I'm a troublemaker sometimes. Because I'm, I'm, I can have fun too. You know, I'm, I'm not necessarily a rule breaker, but I might be a rule bender. And that's just part of my personality. And I accept responsibility for some of those things. But I'm not a troublemaker. Like they told me in third grade. And now it's followed me through. And sometimes you need to kind of persistently challenge those thoughts because some of them can be very persistent. And, and I'll share with you because I have a question for you. So for me, I'm really busy on a day-to-day basis, but I constantly seek self-growth. And some people think, oh, you're at a certain stage of life, you're formed. I'm like, well, no, I don't believe that. I see 90-year-olds making like significant life changes, and I think growth can be a process, and it's a matter of a choice if you want to say, oh, I want to stay where I was when I was 22, or I want to keep growing as a person. But one of, for me, as a person who's super busy on a daily basis – It has to be kind of simple and something I can do really simply. And so I'm going to share a tool that I've used and just ask whether you have anything similar, maybe at your website or just something you suggest. If we have a listener out there who says, oh, I'd like a really simple start on that. But I had a coach one time who presented me, it was just one page with multiple sentences. And that page was kind of what would fit into your automatic negative thoughts model. And she said, well, pick not all 20 or not all of them, pick out the top three messages that you say to yourself on a regular basis. And then there is the second page, which was possible replacement thoughts. And my very big circle with an X was, 
I must be perfect at all oh, times. Yeah. If I am not perfect 100% of the time, then I am a total and complete failure, right? Right. And that was like, oh, yeah, that's all the time. The minute I make one little mistake, if I'm one quarter of an inch off on something, if I have one typo, I say one wrong thing, I am not perfect, therefore I am a useless human. And then what this coach said, let's talk about the difference between perfection and excellence. And so the replacement thought is I seek excellence rather than perfection. And even to the extent I seek excellence, I am not going to achieve it. So what matters is that I've done my best at a given moment. Exactly. And And sometimes my best isn't that great if I've had a really rough day. And that's okay because I'm human. And that's the one that I will tell you that I actually have printed out for me. So what I'm curious is if somebody were listening, like that would be just my personal experience and somebody wanted to find something like, oh, these are some really common of those automatic negative thoughts and I would like to convert them to more positive thoughts. Is there a simple tool out there? Yes, I have one much simpler than what you just described. Oh, that'd be awesome. That's kind of the long version of what I'll be giving you. But what if I were to say to you, could you revisit um, that statement and say, I'm not perfect, and then add on to that today? Or I'm not perfect all the time. Do you see what Probably I'm doing? Probably never. <laughs> uh, so, so to say, you know, I strive to be perfect, and yes. that's okay, but I'm human, and I'm not ever going to, you know, what, what is perfect? Really, but anyway, what I'm talking about, my my quicker, uh, simpler um, solution might be using taglines. I call them taglines because you have the thought, and then you just need to give yourself a little grace and add on to that something like, "I'm a terrible driver right now." Not always, you know. That right now allows for some humanness, or. Like yours, um, I have to be perfect. Maybe. Well, and what I do, I do actually have to be pretty accurate. And, you know, I really can't make a lot of mistakes in my work. So, but that carries through to everything. And so I I like that. So the thought is, one, you've got to identify the thoughts that you're having. Two, you need to come up with some simple strategies. And a very simple one might be just to add that tagline, which I really like that thought process because you can just come up with a tagline to add to any yeah that's a great thought well we're getting close to the end of our episode do you have any last thoughts today you know i'll just give you a couple taglines so if your listeners want to write them down and have them handy maybe put a note in your phone or something so some really efficient ones are to add yet like i'm not smart enough yet gives you the hope that you can learn or um I'm ugly, and it's like, okay, but I'm working on myself every single day, and I don't have to believe that thought. I don't really like that example, but... um, How about just, I'm not the best dresser, but I'm working on developing my skills. Right. I'm, I'm I'm not great at fashion, but I'm willing to learn. It's kind of like you just, self forgiveness and then hope. So another one is, so yet... Maybe, and that's okay, um, and, but I'm working on getting better every day, and I know that I am okay. I'm okay with me. 
so I'll figure this out. Another one I love is maybe, but I can do hard things because so many times it's like, I am so nervous. I shouldn't have said that, you know, whatever it might be, but adding the tagline, but I can do hard things gives me like a little courage, helps me to stand up a little straighter and face whatever fear I have in front of me. Well, thanks for joining me again today, Lisa. I really appreciate it. As we come to the end of our episodes, I want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal, Foster Group, Veterans Victory, and Carson Private Client. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode and stay tuned for our weekly releases. Thank you so much. Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries is made available by the firm and its attorneys for educational purposes and to provide general information, not to provide specific legal advice. Use of the Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries podcast does not create an attorney client relationship between you and the firm or any of its attorneys. The Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice, and you should contact an attorney in your state about any legal needs or questions you may have. A Huda Media Production.